We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Rune podcast. This episode 46 of the pod. We got plenty to talk about today. Matt, happy to be back on the horn with you here. Talking a little bit of uh, NFL free agency, some Big Ten basketball, golf season ramping up on the PGA Tour. It seems like fantastic theater weekend after weekend. Uh, I'll give us a little spring training breakdown. I was with the Giants for for the past week. Uh, I had a good time out there in Arizona, so we'll have a few takeaways from spring training. A little bit of buy or sell, and then we'll send you on your way here, Matt. How you doing this uh, this fine Tuesday morning? Uh, I'm I'm doing pretty well. I got uh, I got my coffee here. I actually got a workout in before the podcast, which is I, I never do that. Cool. I don't know what sparked that. Um, also, it's my brother's birthday, Tim. Uh, he's mm-hmm. I'm 26, so he's 32. Happy 32nd. Uh, and okay. that's, that's about all I got. I just want to wish okay. my brother a happy birthday. Well. Out of out of the gates, you're going full on sociopath here. You figured out your brother's age by going to your age and then adding off of it. And you also highlighted your workout earlier this morning. You asked me ladies how and I gentlemen, was doing today, ladies and gentlemen. Jason Bateman uh, on the <laughs> on the line me, right now. You asked me how I was doing today. I told you what I told you about my day. Did you not mean it? Was that an empty question? No, 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 no. That was no, that's fine. That's no, fine. no, no. Every, every time you ask me from here on out, you ask me how I'm doing today. I'll just give you a fine. That's fine. Um, you give me no, that. I'm fine. good. No, 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 no. That was that was no, appreciated. A happy birthday goes out to uh, to Tim. Uh, now it's sarcastic. Happy birthday. Hey, no, it's not. It's it. not. His his day of birth means a great deal, and it's a happy birthday to him. A valued. We know a a week to week listener here to the Moose and Runes podcast. So uh, we're throwing out most, birthday shoutouts. Arguably the most mailbag questions answered. Maybe right up there. I think. Yeah. No. I think got to be one, be if not a close three. two. Yeah. Yeah. Top two and probably not two. That's uh, in in the in the words of Drizzy Drake Roberts. I don't know who that is. Should, should we should we get this thing started, Matt? Let's, yeah, I'm, we're getting off the rails quickly here. Let's get back on track. <laughs> All right, uh, let's jump into things just right off the bat. Uh, baseball season around the corner, sneaking up on us here. Opening day not too far away. Um, got a chance to get over to Giants spring training camp. As I said uh, this past week, spent some time around the club and. Uh, it was a lot of fun. A lot of big names in that locker room now. They are going to be the oldest team in the majors. Uh, the entire starting lineup, except one person, will be 30 and older uh, by the time that I think June rolls around. I think so. Right now, they have eight guys or seven guys, pardon me, in the starting lineup. But we're not talking about old nobodies. You're talking Evan Longoria, Andrew McCutcheon, um, Madison Bumgarner's getting up there. You got just to realized that with, with Cutch, right? I sat down with Kutch, uh, sat down with Pence. Actually, didn't sit down with Pence. He didn't want to sit, so we stood. That's, that sounds about right. He is he is a fantastic human, like the nicest guy in the world, but there's some idiosyncrasies there, no doubt, no he's, doubt. He's a different, um, he seems like a different guy. Yeah, absolutely. And then I sat down with the Shark, too, and as uh, like 16-year-old Notre Dame fan, Joe was uh, freaking out a little bit, but uh, it was great to sit down with Jeff. We had some laughs. And, uh, Did you he's, ask I mean, he's going about to, Giants baseball or Notre Dame football? He's going into his tenth season, so to kind of highlight the age long? there, ten years, ten years. I had to, I looked at it. I was like, it doesn't. It, he always felt young. It always felt like his yeah. first couple of years in the, in the league. But um, he's going into his tenth season now. And uh, I actually prior to so I sat down. You know, I'm framing up the shot or whatever, and um, we're just kind of shooting the breeze, talking about stuff. And I was like, you know, I got to be unprofessional for a second here. Um, 
you know, watched Hall in a lot of balls in South Bend, grew up a Notre Dame fan, this and that. And he was like, you know, sometimes guys just want to like, come on, get on with it. He yeah. immediately, he goes, those are some of my best memories, man. He goes, I love that place so much. I wish I could get back there more. So he's still very reminiscent of his, uh, of his Notre Dame days. But you look at the guys that he played with at ND and that he played against his contemporaries, they're all retiring. And Samar just got probably yeah. another nice, big, fat, guaranteed check coming down the pipe pretty soon too. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's probably hasn't had the career, you know, in terms of success, uh, like on field success he might have had in the NFL. But I think he did just fine for himself with the money he's making here. And he's got, it, what a four year, five year, like ninety some million dollar deal with the Giants. Yeah, like the, his current deal. Yeah, and uh, and a solid number two. We, I was that was part of what we were talking about. Is you know, guys always talk about protecting other batters in the lineup, having a good two and four to bookend your three or whatever. And you don't really talk about it much when you're talking about the pitching rotation, but he's gotten a pitch behind Madison Bumgarner for the last three years. And I know last year Bumgarner was out for a good portion of the year, but um, that sort of protection on a day-to-day basis affects lineups. And then you're, you're getting uh, you're getting a good look at him coming off as the number two. So he's a, uh, he's in a great position right now, but it was good to catch up with the, uh, with some RJ. And there were some, some legends there. Felipe Alou was there. Willie McCovey was there. Uh, got to rub elbows with, uh, with Boomer a little bit, Chris Berman, but um just my big takeaway from spring training is how good of a job that Phoenix and Scottsdale do with this entire month and a half. It becomes the place to be. I mean, I went to, I forgot a belt as one does when traveling. Yeah. And uh, I walk into Nordstrom as Addison Russell's walking out and I turn around and Raymond Felton and two other guys from the Thunder are standing there shopping too, because they had a game um, against the Suns. So it was just, it's just a, it's a very vibrant place, even on like a Wednesday during sp- in spring training. There's there's people there anytime you go out. We, me and uh, you know listener of the podcast Zach Scott, we went out and grabbed a, a beer and some burgers, and um, everywhere was hopping. So it was just a great atmosphere for baseball fans to get out there and maybe get out of the cold for a week. I know anyone that's been to spring training knows what it is, but they do a great job. And I'm always struck by the number of venues. I mean, each one of these teams has a park within an hour, hour and a half of each other. And there's a ton of like mid-sized baseball stadiums in the Scottsdale area. It's great. Yeah, so I had a couple of questions, takeaways from what you're saying there. You kind of answered the first one, but I kind of wanted to ask. I've never been down to spring training for a baseball Oh, you got to do it. This you is something, you know, not every year, not all the time, but, you know, once you should probably get down there for a week, check out a couple of different parks, do, do, Absolutely. do Scottsdale for a week. And the best part of it is if you go down there, you know, good group of guys or Bring whoever your you're going with. Bring the sticks, you golf a little bit, but you go to the games and you watch the first three innings of baseball because that's when you're seeing Cueto get his innings, Baumgartner yeah. get his innings, Samarja get his innings, Pence out in the outfield, uh, Longoria at third. He made his debut at third the other day, and you're getting to see those guys. But then back half of the game, you walk around the stadium, you do a little sightseeing, you drink a couple beers. It's it's uh, it's more laid back. It's not you know October baseball where you got to be sitting in the seat locked in for every single every single pitch so it's a good time no doubt the uh the, the baseball trip i go on every year has which you now know about we've, we've flirted mm-hmm. with the idea of spring training once or twice i think sure we, i think we you guys would yet, but i think you guys would thrive i, I think you would thrive I, I think we would too question number two joe you said <laughs> you me? forgot a belt but you strike yes. me as the kind of guy who tra- when you know when you go on a plane you're traveling in in jeans at the very least um, so, so, so no belt on, like you didn't, or did you just forget the right, you know, didn't have the right no, color I was, belt? No, I was in, uh, I was in joggers. I was in joggers that, on the yeah, plane. Yeah, that surprises me. I, I, you strike me as the kind of person who would look down on somebody for traveling. Usually, usually, so what I'll do is if I'm bringing a sport coat, 
I'll wear the sport coat on the plane as to not wrinkle it. Not you wear the, the sport charms. coat. You wear a sport coat. No, but you wear a sport <laughs> coat with a t-shirt under that then forces a pair of jeans yeah. at least on the plane. This was a trip where I was going to be in polos all day. You don't want to overdress in spring training. So you're going to be in polos. And I mean, I had jeans, but they were in the bag. So what you do is you go jogger, you go comfortable, sweatshirt, jacket, whatever it is, station jacket, because I'm carrying, I had two check bags and a carry on. So, you know, this was more of a, this is more of a, this wasn't a, a weekend trip home. You know, this wasn't a, this wasn't a duffel bag trip. So we were a little bit more, we were a little bit more workmen when it came to this travel. Okay. That makes sense. See, for me, it's is that, more of like, is that answer number two? No, it, it does. I'm just, for me, it's more like what time of day I'm traveling. If it's an early, that's also flight, early, early, early you're not getting flight, me out of sweats. I'm, I'm throwing on sweats, joggers, whatever. If it's an afternoon flight, I'll put on some jeans. Yeah. I'll, I'll no, I had the, the the joggers were Lululemon though, so let don't trip. Oh, okay. like don't trip. Sorry. Okay, like we're still coming out here looking good. Like they're a Costco brand to be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, no, like get just you're already Southwest. You're already Group C sixty. You know, put them put them in the middle seat, last row of the plane. Nowhere for your carry on. Okay, there's, there's the Joe I know and love. <laughs> um, okay, last question. You, you're saying you run into all these people. You know, Nordstrom's. Uh, you said you ran into Anthony Rizzo at Top Golf. Chris Moore. You couldn't get yeah. one name for the yeah. podcast. Um, hey, yeah, want to come talk to me and my buddy for ten minutes? Matt, Matt, I was turning content until my eyes were bleeding for uh, my employer that pays me. So um, it, when it came to being at Top Golf and running into Anthony Rizzo, you know, my my first thought wasn't, hey, he wants to do my podcast on Monday. So I mean, he does I've, though. It's Chicago based. It's I played it. Thanks for I, I, I played the Chicago. Card, I played the Chicago card. I said hello and went on my way. These guys are. These guys are no, like I fine. said. They're all there. They don't want to be bothered for no, three we straight did. weeks. I talk to him when I have media availability, and for that media availability, my credential said CBS 13, not Moose and Roots podcast, well, but I apologize. Well, you change that and get both on there. All right. Well, we, you, well actually, we through, new, well, a new thing this year, the MLB makes – I can't apply for my own credentials anymore. Like an executive producer has to. So um, I think as the executive producer, so I, Matt, I you, you, need to, you need to apply for my credentials. All right. Yeah. I'll work on that. I'll see if I can get that. All right. Done. Perfect. And Perfect. for now – oh, you got to tell us about Chris Berman. Oh, I mean, I saw Boom walking around in those cream-colored baseball pants, a, a black jersey that even the, the black he was didn't do him any favors in uh, full full Giants uniform, stroll, uh, strolling just, out to the mound to make the pitching change. That was one of the best videos I've ever seen. And honestly, he is Chris Berman. He is Boomer every waking second. You know, he walked in, walked into the clubhouse. We're interviewing some guys, and he was in his normal clothes or whatever, and just like. Had sayings for everyone. He's like, uh, like, what did he say? He walked by Hunter Pence, like pushed him a little bit, and goes like, uh, uh, elbows in. He said something like, elbows in, quick bat, let's go, Pence, or something like that. Like he's just like walking around, giving people a hard time, and everyone loves him. I mean, everyone loves Boomer. Everyone has a good rapport with him. Is he, he was a giving, Giants he was, fan? Uh, I believe he grew up a Giants fan, Bay okay. Area native, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, he's good friends with Bochi. I, I know that. So him and Bochi are are pretty close. But uh, Peter Gammons was in the clubhouse too. So to like see Peter Gammons and Chris Berman in one place again, like young Joe was freaking out a little bit. But uh, went up to Boom during batting practice and you know just said thank you for you know all you've done and entertaining us all these years. You're a large part of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing and. Without faltering, he didn't give me the like big time, like, oh, thanks, man. Like, nice meeting you. He stood there for five minutes and 
asked questions about me and what I was doing, my path, how I've been, how I've gotten to this point and then offered some, some sage advice. And it was, it was a great, I, I will always have a, a great memory of, um, you know, my interaction with Chris Berman. It was, it was a really cool moment. And, uh, he is, he is an entertainer, like I said, from, from start to finish. So uh, just a good, really good dude. Really good dude. Well, that, that is good to hear. Cause that was, uh, mm-hmm. that, that was a shocker. I was not expecting to see Chris Berman he said, in a giant's uniform. I know. Right? He said, if you ever stop having fun with it, question yourself because we're here to have fun. That was like one of his big. I, that, I don't do a good boomer. That wasn't but bad. He, it wasn't the worst uh, thing. Eh, eh, I didn't say keep doing it, but he also said bad. he pointed <laughs> he pointed to his ear with his beautiful turquoise ring. That I'm going to start wearing a turquoise ring because Chris Berman does. But with a big turquoise ring, points to his ear. He goes, "If it's interesting to you, it's interesting to them." That was his other like. That was his other go to. So well, you uh, a good, uh, hold on to that. I think. I'm uh, I'm I'm getting I'm getting a little borderline Pacino with it there, so I apologize. Yeah, you, you, you that, are, the more you went on <laughs> with that, the more Pacino. Like, it, it stuck into that. it became son of a woman, no doubt. Um, but yeah, uh, a great experience there at spring training. Tried to get over to uh, the A's; they were across town, and you know they they took their time with the credentials. So um, uh-huh. it's going to be mostly Giants coverage. It's Not their throw- loss, Joe. It's their it's their loss. So the the great viewers here in Sacramento don't get. To, get any in-depth sit-downs with uh, the guys that are on the A's. Well, I'm sure they'll be very <laughs> upset, Joe. Google's A's roster. Um, all right, Matt. Well, uh, Should I we think talk that's, some sports? Uh, let's talk a little sports. I mean, you you, you came at me with the, with the spring training questions. No, I but, love uh, the spring training questions. I, I, I if you're, okay, let me, let's, let's make it, yeah, let, let's take it to the next level, a little prediction. I think the Giants are back in the playoffs this year after a 98-loss season last season. There was a good energy around the team, and uh, I think just with those pieces, if they can stay healthy and find like a, a four and a five on the back end of that rotation, they should be, you know, on paper, one of the better teams in baseball this year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's for them again. It's like you said, it's going to come down to being healthy. I mean, Bumgarner's got to stay away from the ATVs and stay on the mound. Yeah, uh, yeah. Smarge has kind of got to round back to the form where he was, you know, with with the Cubs a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Johnny Cueto's got to have another good year. They got they got a nice top three in that rotation, but like you said, they're going to have to figure out the back end there, and the lineup's going to have to stay healthy. Bumgarner's going to have to stay healthy, but that division's very winnable for the oh, most part. Outside of the Dodgers, I mean, the D-backs are kind of been up and down the last few years. I know last year they were great. The Rockies are always fairly inconsistent. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. the Giants will have a shot in that division. Your uh, your boy Mark Melanson is too intimidating to... Oh, he's a big uh, like, man. He's an intimidating he's, guy. Well, they're all big guys, but he's got angry face. He's got resting angry face. Uh, like, I wanted to at some 100%. point go up to him. I wanted to go up to him and be like, hey, uh, you know, your boy Matt Rooney says hello, or the, the Rooney say hello, or something like that, and just couldn't like I just could. every time I looked at him it looked like he was like I, ready to swing even, a bat at someone I the first time I met him was when we landed at the airport in Vegas going to that bachelor party and like I was even a little bit too intimidated to talk to him for a while and <laughs> then the guy got into the Jägermeister and then he got a little bit more open and a little bit more conversational there, like, you, go. Yeah. there you go yeah no he was not uh he was not the one you know laughing uh doing crossword puzzles or throwing bubble gum at each other like some guys were screwing around in the in the clubhouse he was more like sitting at his locker facing his locker breaking in a glove like like chanting satanic like he was just a scary dude he was a scary I dude i got i obviously got got the opportunity to shake his hand and when i shook his hand i understood why his curveball dropped so much yeah I, I he's got honestly, a little snap got a little i snap. think he could wrap his entire hand around a baseball with how big that thing is it's a it's a paw but, but uh, 
Good for middle innings. Good for yeah. middle innings. That's for sure. Um, well, yeah, let's dive into it, Matt. Here, uh, plenty to talk about um, football on the, on the sporting front. You want to you want to jump in a little NFL first? I always want to jump in NFL. You know that. All right. Well, we're getting a franchise tag season. Some uh, some big news coming out of the league. Allen Robinson will not be tagged in Jacksonville. Possible target there for the Bears to fill some wide receiver needs. Steelers once again tagging Le'Veon Bell. Which, what are you doing? Stop disrespecting this man. Sign him long term. Um, and Jarvis Landry accepts the franchise tag in Miami, but they are still open to a trade. Matt, spin the wheel. You jump into whichever one of those you want. Well, let's talk about the the most relevant topic, I think, to us. The the Jarvis Landry news was in the yeah was in the news here. Uh, I know you weren't in Chicago, but I, you're probably quite familiar mm-hmm. with Bears Twitter, Chicago Twitter. The offer that was originally leaked as the, the possibility, now it's being shot down heavily. Was was Jordan Howard for Jarvis Landry? Joey, tell, tell me your thoughts on that, if that were a, a possible offer, because you had some strong takes on it before the podcast. It just doesn't it doesn't jive with where the direction of this team, I don't think. And, you know, everything, all the reports, Moon's report was if they don't see Jordan Howard as a long-term fit at running back, why wouldn't you? Like, Jordan Howard has been one of the few things over the last couple seasons that has been consistent. Came out, had an amazing rookie season. He's since then... I mean, there wasn't a huge drop-off in the sophomore season. He's he's a top-end, he's a top-10, top-15 back in the NFL. That is a place where you don't have a need right now. Why are we going to fill a need? You're, it's like the scene, and we, we went over this the other day, the Vegas vacation scene. You plug one, you plug the bubble gum into the one hole, and another hole opens. Let's fill needs, let's not create them. Yep. Like, who's your tailback if Jordan Howard gets sent for Jarvis Landry? That's my thing. Like, if they had Jordan Howard, but they also had, you know, a 1A behind him. That if Jeremy Langford was still on the roster, perhaps. I, like, I, I very much like Tariq Cohen, but Tariq Cohen's on every that's down That's not an every back. down Tariq, back, no. Tariq Cohen is a feature kind of player. He's going to bounce around sort of a utility no. in, that, in that offense. If yeah. you had a number two running back who you felt comfortable with handing over the duties to, sure. But I Jordan mm-hmm. Howard's been very... Uh, very successful over you know, with the last two years now. This year, I know he had some ups and downs, but I think that was a lot in part because of the offense and the play calling. And basically, yeah. everybody in the world knew they were going to run the ball on first and second down, and he still went off for big games here and there. Uh, I mean, the problem is with him. I mean, he's catching the ball out of the backfield, but that's stuff you can work on. He doesn't need to be great at it. He just kind of needs to get to be acceptable at it. Uh, and I just I think that's too heavy of a price to pay for Jarvis Landry. I, you don't really see these blockbuster type deals in the NFL player for player. I think you can get them for a combination of picks. I, I don't think it's going to take Jordan Howard to get Jarvis Landry, especially if Jarvis Landry is pretty open that he doesn't want to be back in Miami and Miami doesn't want to pay him what he wants. Yeah, I think Miami really loses. Uh, I don't I know see they what have nego- that- negotiating power they have here. Yeah, but now that they have him under the tag, that's their only negotiating power. It's he's ours if nothing doesn't work here, you know? That's that's their only negotiating power. And if their asking price is someone's uh, a, a top five player on a guy's roster, then I don't I don't think Jarvis Landry's going anywhere. Yeah, because like you said, their negotiating power is Jarvis Landry's youth and his production. You know, he's still very young. He's st- I think he's, what, 26 years old? Yeah. Something like that. He's still got a ton of good years ahead of him. You're not getting... You're not getting an all-pro wide receiver who's a little long in the tooth. You're getting a guy with good years left over. That's your selling point. But at the same time, you're talking about a, a 1-1A wide receiver here. You're not talking about a quarterback. You're not talking about a can't-miss tailback. 
wide receivers, not to be disrespectful to the position I hold dear to my heart, wide receiver might be the easiest position to recruit good talent. And I know the Bears roster doesn't show that, but there is so much good wide receiver talent in the NFL right now that giving up a tailback that you're starting to see good things from that might be the guy moving forward for the next four or five years, I, I just don't see that adding up. That doesn't add up to if me. If you look in this free agency class, too, it's not like it was Jarvis Landry and nobody else. Yeah. I mean, Allen Robinson's a free agent. Uh, Marquise Lee from, the, from Jacksonville as well is a free agent. Paul Richardson's been successful out of Seattle. He's a free agent. Um, I know Sammy Watkins hasn't been tagged yet. St. Louis or Los Angeles isn't sure they're going to tag him. So there's four names right there, and there's some decent depth names coming out of it too. And I think what some of the better teams in the NFL have shown the last few years, a lot of the more successful ones, is you don't really need a star. You know, number bona fide number one wide receiver isn't the most important thing in the world if you have that receiver depth. So if you can get mm-hmm. depth across the board, you can get away with that if you have a good quarterback, good running game like the Bears are banking on having. Also breaking and, news here, the, the Rams did just tag LaMarcus Joyner, so Sammy Watkins will be a free agent. Good timing. Beautiful. Literally just good timing there. after I said that. Coming down on the wires for you there, Matt. Yeah. But, well, uh, that's what you no, get for I, having Twitter open during the podcast. I completely agree with you. And even on top of that, the, the draft, when it comes to wide receivers, there's always good wide receiver talent coming out of the draft. And wide receivers, a position where if the guy's got a half a brain between his ears – he can pick up an offense. And I know the learning curve at the NFL level is a lot quicker. It's a lot higher, fast-paced, more is demanded of you. You have 10 times as many plays, and you could be in 10 times as many different positions. But if you have a guy who can pick that up in a year, you have – you can get production out of a rookie wide receiver. It's not like the quarterback position where you have to wait or even like a tackle having to – like I think that you can pick and plug – from college to NFL, a wide receiver who's smart enough to pick up the offense and have him be successful for 16 games. And like plus, that's, that's, I mean, let's not forget here, the Bears basically have another first-round pick this year with Kevin White coming back healthy. Oh, God. Just make that stop. I, like, I just need... <laughs> Did you see the picture? Yeah, the picture of him flexing in front of the mountains or something. Like, and I, I feel, I, I don't like getting mad at him because it's not necessarily his fault that he keeps getting hurt, but at the same time, like, Stop! Just, just let's let's get healthy. Yeah. Let's let's get some production before we're tweeting pictures of ourselves absolutely jacked. No, he yeah, did look pretty ripped. Good for him. So uh, you know, he there's a lot of guys who looked ripped that have never done a darn thing. And I hope he works out. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, but um, I'm not counting on it. So I think the Bears still need to go out there address that wide receiver position, and um, there are ways you can address it. But what do you make? Let's. I mean, to wrap up free agency here, Matt. What do you make of? Steelers um, tagging Le'Veon again. I just, I don't get it. I mean, he is outside of Antonio Brown. I mean, even you can argue with Antonio Brown. He is what makes that offense go more than just about anybody. Um, he's been the most successful running back in the NFL for the past three seasons, four seasons, whatever it's been now. Um, mm-hmm. And it just, I don't get what message they're trying to send or what they're trying to do. He should be the highest paid running back in the NFL. I don't know exactly what he's asking, but the way you can structure these contracts in the NFL, it's not like you're guaranteeing him a big deal. So you should pay him heavy up front for the next two or three years. And then if it comes time in three years, you don't want him. You can cut bait with him. But for the next however many years, he should be the highest paid running yeah. back in the NFL. And it's really I, not even that close. I completely agree with you. The The running back tag this year, I believe, is 11.7, which when you're talking about annual wage for Le'Veon Bell, is definitely under the asking price. And all you're doing here is, yeah, you're getting a free year of football out of him, essentially. 
but you're going to get a guy who wants to see free agency. You know, if you can, if you can sit there for year after year with Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and the defense that they usually field and not win a championship, let alone get to an AFC championship, you got problems. And yeah. your problems are, are outside of talent recruitment, talent acquisition. Your problems are internal. And this is another sign of the Steelers maybe having some problems, you know, things while on the outside looking in, the formula might look great. Whoever's stirring the pot might not be right. You know, uh, just something is off in, in Pittsburgh. And I think this is another indication of that, 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 that whoever's making the decisions isn't making the best ones. Cause like you said, the way you can structure these contracts, you get them for the next few seasons. And if then you see a downturn and you have to pull a Matt Forte a la bears three years ago and cut a depreciating asset, that's absolutely what you do. But you're going to get a guy going into the 2019 market that's very unhappy with you and that's not going to want to negotiate again. And, and then you're looking at a free agent. And I, I think we've talked about this in similar type situations before, but that's got to rub people in the locker room the wrong way too. I mean, you've had a guy who's produced arguably more than any other running back in the NFL the last three years. Mm-hmm. And this is how you treat him when his contract comes up. I mean, like, what, what's guys like Antonio Brown, not Ben Roethlisberger, because he'll be there as long as he wants, but productive players, you know, uh, offensive, defensive players, whatever, who have made impacts. How are they going to feel when their contract comes up? Seeing how you've basically treated what's been the most successful player on your team come con- like that, that that would rub me the wrong way going into a contract negotiation. I don't think I mm-hmm. would be as open to what they're trying to do because I'd always think they're trying to you know pull the wool over pull my one over yeah. yeah yeah. And I just I, I don't know. Obviously, we're not privy to discussions or what's going on or what Le'Veon Bell's demanding. But fourteen mil, fifteen mil a year for the next three years. It doesn't really yeah. seem like that big of an asking price, given the caps, you know, 177 million, and I think it's gone up 10 million every year for the past five. So that that's not that much for the most successful running back in the NFL. I agree with you, Matthew. Um, it's uh, it's definitely something that will be interesting to see if Le'Veon Bell shows up to camp again. You know, yeah. even if he tags him, you I, might I wouldn't. you might not see Le'Veon until. Uh, week one spring week three spring training. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but. Uh, also, spring tra- oh, yeah, well, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in spring training mode right now, huh? Joe, you, you um, touched on, you touched pre-season. on Matt Forte. Though. Yeah, we, we, I think we should shout out, should, shout should out, shout Sky out Point, to, Sky Point well, for Matty Forte, well, one, of, one of my favorite Bears probably ever. Uh, Absolutely, hanging Absolutely. him up, signing that one day contract with the Bears. I believe NBC Sports Chicago had that story. Yeah, yeah. well done, well done uh, by the uh, by the network. But uh, yeah, I, that that was one we kind of forgot in our rundown meeting. There, I'm glad you kind of talked about that because he was mm-hmm. arguably one of my favorite players of all time and they, they kind of stole him in the second round there and I, hard to think of a more consistent player to wear the orange and blue on the offensive end yeah and lifetime. another guy where it's a shame that wasn't a part of a championship but that's yeah. that's He's what you're signing up for when you're a bear but uh, a, a fantastic a, a fantastic person a fantastic ball player and I, I you always look at a guy's game and what you think about their game and I'll always remember Matt Forte, essentially, and, and there were guys who did it before him, but never, no one really did it like him, just his his applicability out of the backfield catching passes. He he kind of, he took that part of a tailback's game to the next level, and, and guys started seeing that, man, you know, the whole NFL is moving this direction of pass-happy, pass-first type offense, 
I still want the ball 24 times a game. If I if six of those have to come through the air, I better learn how to catch some passes because Matt Forte's doing it. And he was really um, one of the first of his kind to do that because it yeah. used to be you know you have your your every down back and you have your specialty back who's more your yeah. receiving type. And he was really the first. Forte one of the said, first "I got of his both of these." kind of both of those and be that dual threat out of the backfield he could, who can do a little bit of both whose pick was he who was the gm at that point was that oh, angelo man, still or still, was that that still would have been angelo yeah that was like tail ends of jerry angelo years yeah. well thanks jerry, <laughs> jerry <laughs> the only pick. <laughs> oh goodness all right well uh what else we got here today matt we got some golf you want to talk a little golf Ooh, wgc mexico golf. a thrilling finish phil mickelson gets his first win in over three calendar years Justin Thomas holing out to force a playoff uh, preemptively, but to go two strokes ahead with Phil coming down the stretch, it was it's it's grand theater, uh, and people might think sitting watching golf is boring. No, to not. those of you to those of you who feel that way, get into it because this is high drama, and there are so many talented guys on tour. Not only that, you have legends of the game winning tournaments still at the age of forty seven. It's shaping up to be a great season, man. Yeah, we were out for uh, we we had an early birthday dinner for Tim on Sunday night. And mm-hmm. It was it was during the, uh, the 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 end of this tournament. My dad is maybe the biggest Phil Mickelson fan of all time. He mm-hmm. might be running the fan club, but he was on the phone <laughs> at dinner, checking Twitter, checking texts from from people about this about Phil going on. Like it was it was almost like you know usually the kids are the one getting yelled at for having yeah. the phone out at the table. He was kind of out there, kind of looking down, seeing what PJR was in, was invested. He was very he was very happy when he found out Phil pulled it off. Nice, nice, and yeah, just I mean a couple moments there coming down the stretch where Phil makes a putt and there's your moment. But uh, he did end up pulling it off in the end. But I mean we talk about him every week, but Justin Thomas is otherworldly at this point like he's kind of it's he's willing himself to do things like hole out on the 18th hole it's kind of his turn in this group of six or seven you know jason day had his time dj had his time spieth kind of had his time right now it's jt's time and then i think eventually somebody else maybe ricky will will be the next one to have that but it's just kind of it seems like it's his time in that rotation of these you know seven or eight yeah something Something seems a little different with this one, though. And when you talk about those guys' windows and their time where they were the, the guy to beat, I still think DJ's window is wide open, and he's he's not necessarily the guy to beat right now because if you're going to pick a guy to beat, it's definitely Justin Thomas, the way he's contending in every tournament. But those, those otherworldly streaks, those uh, untouchable streaks, usually only last like a year, year and a half. Like Speed's untouchable streak – while he does still contend, he's no longer untouchable. Mm-hmm. Only lasted until that that Masters debacle. I think he was kind of proven to be human at that point. Um, yeah. And Jason Day, with um, and I know he won after it, but the vertigo and, and his injuries, his wrist issues, and um, DJ slipping down the stairs. There always seems to be something that you know these uh, these windows of untouchableness. Um, are slammed close by. And I think Justin Thomas, if he can keep that window open, I think he can have a lot longer untouchable streak than a year and a half. He's looking right now like doesn't matter what the situation is, what shot he needs, he's going to be there on Sunday. No, I, I agree with you. It really seems like he just is there just about every Sunday. But I just thought about this when you were going through kind of the uh, the – the litany there of golfers who have kind of taken over for their time. And you mentioned the, the Dustin Johnson slip, slip on the stairs. 
How did he not alleged? Get, alleged? How, how did he not get a sock endorsement out of that? By the way, from somebody. Yeah, like because sticky he, socks he, or know, something the, like the, that. The socks are a little bit too. So how did he not get Under Armour or Nike or whoever? That I'm sure. I'm sure there were offers. I'm sure there were offers on the table, and I'm also sure that his business manager said, "Hey, let's let this let's thing let die. Let's let this one slide. Let's let let's let this thing. Bit, huh? Let's let this thing die. Let's not uh, pour any gasoline on the fire here." So. Um, no, I'd, I'd say that that's my guess on that front. I guess my, my one hope here with going back to actual on the course type of stuff, we talked about it a little bit last week, but I'm just really hoping that Tiger kind of keeps this progression up so we can have that. He's not going to be there every week, but that we can have Tiger kind of back in these majors competing with these young guys because even at Tiger's best days, like there were really only two or three guys that were good enough to kind of hang with him consistently. And mm-hmm. if we can get to that point where we got – JT, DJ, Spieth, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, just different guys kind of every week, and Tiger being in the mix every once in a while. I think it's going to be great for golf. And I think these guys are actually going to get a little bit more of a taste of what it was like with Tiger actually out on the tour because you have you know, people at Torrey Pines and whatever tournament they are playing you know, a couple weeks ago saying they were shocked at how many people around Sir Rodney were following Tiger. Just the, just the energy on course. Just imagine what they're going to be feeling. I, I want to see these guys yeah. have to do it with – you know, in a final pairing with Tiger at, at a U.S. Open or a British Open or a PGA, something yep. of the Players' Championship, whatever, a big-time tournament with that atmosphere because it'll be interesting to see how they react because they it will be something like nothing like they've ever seen really on a course. Yeah, and uh, Tiger getting back to it this week at, uh, I believe it's the Valspar? Yeah, where do they play? Is that, that? correct? Um, Copperhead, I want to say. Okay. Snake Pit. Um, so another good test for Tiger to get his game going. He'll play there, and then he'll play – the Arnold Palmer Invitational. A little bit surprised. We're, we're both a little bit surprised that he's playing that final spot. We kind of both thought he'd play Bay Hill, and then that would be it before the Masters. I think as long as his body's in the shape where he can do it, he knows that it's good reps on tour, and that's going to only benefit him come I the Masters. Telling, I think that's what he's telling um, us is that his body's feeling pretty good right now. And he's the way he was swinging the club, there were no hitch moments. There were no mm-hmm. grab-my-back moments. There was none of that, so – as long as that continues, I'm not worried about how much he's playing. The more, the merrier. Because uh, I love turning the TV on and watching Tiger swing a golf club. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I know we're we're still about a month out. Oh God, we're only a month out, Joe. Till the Masters. Inside, inside. I think it's like 28 oh days, something like 29 I, days, something like that. It's just hit me right now. Uh, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a little gift sent your way by the time Augusta rolls around. Oh yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a little something sent for you. Do I need to send you something now? No, too? you don't need to send something for you. I'm gonna buy one for myself as well. But ooh. Yeah. It's just Moose be, and Runes Masters Editions Quarter Zips? Oh, God. Uh, I can't swing okay. Quarter Zips, Joe. Come on. <laughs> this podcast isn't making any money. Keychains? Uh, <laughs> we'll, 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 somewhere in the middle. We'll call it somewhere in the okay. middle of a keychain Quarter Zip. How about that? But we'll, Perfect. We'll, we'll get Sounds something good. out there. We'll, we'll both be heavily on the uh, the Tiger bandwagon. Let's when, do it. Uh, April 5th, I believe it is, rolls around. Yeah. God, I can't, yeah. I'm, I'm, I can't, I'm not going to be able to focus the rest of the podcast. I just realized we're within a month. I apologize there, Matt, but uh, we're going to have to focus. We're going to have to lock in because okay. we're moving on here. Uh, Matt, you want to take a little, little grievance action? Ooh, that'll get me locked back in. All right, there you go. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, so my grievance is with, uh, we, we talked about a little bit with the, the MCA scandals and, and all that stuff about 
you know, pay paying the athletes, not paying the athletes, whether they deserve it or not. And I saw a, a video, it was really right after we recorded last week, I think the day after, it was on Wednesday, my, my brother actually brought it to my attention. It was, it was Jay Williams uh, of ESPN going on a rant about how the only way to impact real change is to, you know, boycott certain events. And if you're going to boycott, you need to do it the right way. You need to hit the NCAA where it hurts most, and that would be boycotting the Final Four. Um, and I, I just, I think, in, yeah, sure, in, in principle, in, in theory, idea, whatever, that's a great idea. But you're basically asking kids who have sacrificed their, basically their entire life to get to that point. And you're going to be asking kids who maybe have a Cinderella team, you know, a five or a six seed with a bunch of, fifth year, fourth year seniors who've been waiting their entire life to get to the final four and then all of a sudden say, no, because I want some athletes to get, you know, $50,000 in the future, I'm going to sacrifice a, a shot at, you know, what I've been working my whole life for. You're, yeah. you're asking kids to basically boycott the one thing, who probably their last, a lot of kids' last chance to play basketball ever and their only chance to play on that big of a stage. Uh, I, I think it's it's very short-sighted. I think it's very inconsiderate. And while his argument may have been well thought out, I, I think the common sense kind of sitting right in front of him went out the window there. And I also mm-hmm. think, you know, part of it is if if the NCAA tournament was on ESPN, I don't think he ever would ask that. The fact that it's on another, another network doesn't help. If you want to incite that change, you want to boycott, you want to hit people where it hurts, ask kids to boycott their conference tournament. Ask, you know, the Dukes of the world, the North Carolinas, the Kansas, the teams that are already in the NCAA tournament say, you know, we're not going to play here because that's where it's going to, that where is, is a place where it could hit, you know, hurt most. It's not going to affect kids who are trying to get into a tournament play for something, but it'll also mean something and cost the NCAA and some networks a whole lot of money. But I just, I, I, that really rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm trying to imagine, you know, obviously we play D3 football and, and nothing anywhere near that stage, but could you imagine if we had made the playoffs and gone to, you know, the final four or gone to Salem and then said, no, nah, you know what, we're, we're going to boycott this because, uh, it's not because, happening because we think we deserve, you know, a couple thousand dollars here and there. No, you kidding yeah. me. You sacrifice, you basically, these athletes are, they get what a month off. They're pretty much working out 11, 10 months or, you know, out of the 12 of the year. And you mm-hmm. ask them to boycott their, their one shot at a championship on the final four in the biggest stage of all. I just, I just thought that was Bush league. Yeah. I, I don't like it either, Matt. And, uh, you know, and I'm well usually said. a Jay Williams fan. I, I, I as am I. Liked him. As I think he's a pretty good analyst. I think he's very smart. He's good at what he does. But I just thought this was way, way out of line. But I, I think you hit the nose on the head there uh, when you're talking about the networks too, because uh, I'm sure his employer was thrilled with him making this ask of these players. But, uh, but you, you make a good point there, and it's just not. It's not realistic. It's not realistic to ask everyone to get on the same page when you're talking about the just the what's at stake for these guys not dollars and cents but pride and as you said every moment that they've worked for to get towards it to get to this point you get to a final four and i'm supposed to sit down i'm no, supposed I'm to i'm good uh, I'll yeah pass. that's just an unrealistic ask i understand the sentiment but uh but not uh not resonating with me here so that, that that's for sure yeah. matt um with that said though uh, uh let's uh take it back a second and uh, look at conference tournaments, big 10 tournament uh, specifically. What did you, what were your big takeaways? I was uh, stuck in a, stuck in a clubhouse, but um, I, I only saw a couple minutes, saw some highlights, but uh, what was your takeaway? from The, the biggest takeaway here is, is John <clears throat> Beeline just knows how to coach this time of year. Yeah. Not really. He's not that his team isn't talented. Is it? Cause obviously it is, but it is not, it's not the most talented team in that conference. It's probably not one of the top two most talented teams in that conference. But he just mm-hmm. he has a way of, of getting those guys to play their best basketball around this time of year. 
And it seems like he's got Michigan State's number, too. I think that's that's all three times he's beaten them that they played him this year. Uh, but, but that team's firing on all cylinders, but it seems like their own conference might have shot them in the foot by making them play the conference tournament a week early and now having to take, you know, 11, 10 days off before getting yep. their NCAA tournament shot instead of, you know, just those three or four. It'll be really interesting to me to see how Purdue, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State look in that first round because they're going to come in ice cold. They're going to come in. This time of year, you don't need 10 days worth of rest. You need three or four. You get into 10, 11 days. That's that's affecting you, I think, in a negative way on the court. And I, I think you're going to see some fresher teams give them runs earlier on than they'd hope or expect. Not only that, Matt, but uh, for the viewer's sake, what's better than conference? I mean, yes, March Madness is great, but conference tourney weekend, you're flipping from the ACC to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. You're, you're got, you got all of it coming at you at once, and it might seem a little deadpan this weekend coming up, I think. Yeah, watching that Big Ten tur- the Big Ten championship was always on the Sunday right before, you know, Selection Sunday. Selection, I, I'm pretty yeah. Sure you were- the championship was always on CBS right before the Selection show. You I go into the Selection show, it, it seemed... It seemed immediate, you know? Yeah. It didn't seem like there was a and week they, for them to screw something up. They did this so they could have it in New York because that's where so much of Big Ten country is. It, it's in New York. Like, mm-hmm. What do you talk? Stop trying to exp- – I, I, I get you want to have you know, certain teams and certain marks and markets and all that, but the Big yeah. Ten is a Midwestern conference. It's always going to be a Midwestern conference. This is where their market is. I it mean, is, I, I but this, sold out but this was – They have a lot of alumni yeah, there, but like – It would um, – it's exactly. always it's the it's the garden. It's going to sell out. You got however many million people in the greater New York City area that are going to come see their team play. So it was exposing it to another market. I get that, but you know how, how much more? Do it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I you agree. can do was, that by I think having it was an regular experiment. season games there. You can do that by having you know, yeah, or, you know, pre not preseason, but you know those early season games. You can have random you know mid season games there too. You can figure not the that tournament, out. Though. Don't put yeah. your comp. I mean the the opening tip-off of, I know it was like a Tuesday afternoon, but the opening tip-off of the playoff game, there was like nobody in MSG, whereas if you have that United Center, you have that in Indy, places are yeah. full, but I think you have half the place probably full at that point, because everybody in the Midwest just funnels to those two cities to see the Big Ten tournament. Off the top of your head, do you know who had the longest travel to New York? Ooh, uh, quick fire, you can't think about a quick fire. Uh, uh, Purdue. Nebraska. Oh, I forgot about them. Yeah, yeah longest that, travel to New that York. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and they traveled all the way there to get their first round by and lay an egg and probably cost themselves a spot in the tournament. <laughs> well, they lost, to, they lost to the champions, Joe. Yeah, but they lost to the champions and were never in the game, so it didn't look good for them. I don't think right. it was. I don't think it was a last. Uh, I don't think it was a last solid data point for the committee to take into uh, into consideration. Well, fingers yeah. crossed for them, though. We'll, we'll see yeah. what happens. Yes. All right, Matt. Well, uh, should we jump into a little buy or sell? Or we had the Oscars. You want to talk Oscars? You want to go buy or sell? I, one of my buy or sell questions is the Oscars. Is Oscars. All right. So we'll let's, for let's go buy or sell. Me. Let's go buy or sell here. Spoilers. Why don't you start us off? Uh, I'm going to start with my <laughs> other one here. Okay. Um, buy or sell number eight in the draft is too early to take a guard for the Bears. I'm t- obviously talking about Quentin Nelson here. But there's that notion floating around that you need yeah. to take you know, a skill impact player at number eight. So. And I lean, I lean towards that notion with a pick that high at number eight. Um, usually if you're talking number eight and there's a can't-miss tackle, uh, I'm fine with that. But talking about the guard position, not to undervalue it, but interior linemen, uh, maybe not as much asked uh, of them as a tackle, and, and you need that top-tier tackle. But at eight, I would like to see them go fill a couple needs. If we had two serviceable wide receivers right now, 
and uh, and a linebacking core and and defensive secondary that I'm sure of, then yes, maybe. But with the current number of openings that need to be addressed, I want to see eight go to a skill position. I'm going to dis- obviously I'm going to disagree with you there. Um, of course, because I was a guard. Uh, but I, I, my question to you is, I mean, if if they're if the we had a fan if, if Zach Martin was in this draft and Zach Martin was was a prospect in this draft, do you not think he would go in the top ten? He Zach would. Martin, Zach exactly, and, and that is the type. I mean, if, if you, I'm not saying Quentin Nelson's going to be that. But that's uh-huh. the comparison. It's the easy comparison because you know it's the Notre Dame connection, all that type of stuff. But that's the type of player Quentin Nelson's getting compared to. He's getting compared to guys who can jump in right now and be an All Pro guard from day one. And I know yeah. it's an interior line spot, but you still need five solid pieces on that offensive line. And with Josh sitting not there anymore, Kyle Long's health always you know in question. You need to fortify that offensive line. You, you're telling me I can get a piece that's going to be a, a Pro Bowler for ten straight years. Sign me up tomorrow. Yeah. If there's a, if there's a, if there's, there's no gar- there's no guarantee. No, in that, there is. But there's no guarantee with anybody in the draft. If, if my, you're telling me Nick Chubb falls to number eight, yeah, you, you got to go out and get that pass rusher because that's is a little bit more important spot. But it's not yeah. like you don't need guys to block the. No, you, know, you, you absolutely do. The world, it, those Geno Atkins of the world. Those uh, everything uh, everything starts up attacks. front. I will always give the credit there. Everything starts up front, but the last thing I want to do is turn on the TV again next year and be asking who the hell is catching the ball. I don't want to. I don't want to have to wonder who Mitch Trubisky's targets are anymore because I don't want to sound like a broken record. But situation is what dictates a quarterback's success. His execution, yes. But you could have all the execution, all the talent in the world if your situation is not correct. You will not succeed. Does that situation include offensive line to protect for him? Yes. But if you can do that, you need to have guys on the outside that can get it done. We no. don't right now. I'm with you, and I think it's more of a draft-to-draft basis. But I just I think this year, uh, Calvin Ridley is obviously the big name. I'm not sure where he falls. Draft he falls ba- hashtag, hashtag draft Bama. Go win a championship. I, I just don't how the, the Falcons haven't won a championship yet. They drafted Bama with Julio Jones. Draft Bama. Bama, I just I, this receiver draft is pretty deep, and I think you can get somebody in the second round at that early second round pick yep. and still be okay if, and, and address some other needs instead of reaching or trade back. If they might. That's what I was going to say. They I might trade back. That. Do you want to trade back yeah. to 15 or something like that and see if that'd be, the, really that'd be a very Bears move? Yeah. Well, you know, if they got, what, four quarterbacks who could go in the top 10? If there's, yep. you know, two or three off the board by eight, you might have somebody who gets a little bit desperate and gives you two first round picks to jump up there. Yeah. Um, but if they go get what's which we call it at at number eight with a guard, like will it kind of will it feel will I feel underwhelmed? Yes. Will I be okay with it? Yes, because like you said, you got to fortify that front line. And as long as this is a long term, that's that's the only thing you can't have. You can't draft an offensive lineman that gives you three years and yes. nothing but knee injuries, need, ankle you, you injuries, foot injuries. If you draft him at eight, you need Quentin Nelson to be Zach Martin. And there's there's no guarantees, no. obviously, but if you can feel as close to a guarantee as possible, then yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. Did you see they him have my, at the? Uh, they have my blessing. Did you see his bench his bench at the combine? Yeah, some he of these guys are just ridiculous. Times, Joe, it looked like you were me putting up the bar. Like that's how easy yeah. he was tossing up two twenty five. Well, uh, you know, I've we can get into it another day, but I, I really think the NFL draft is completely antiquated and. 
the only two drills. I mean, I'm not sitting in these meetings with GMs asking guys questions. I'm sure you learn a lot about people from that aspect. But the only two drills that I think prove anything are bench press for offensive linemen and no one else really because how often are you doing straight push press or chest push like that like other than I blocking. I don't really care how much a receiver can bench. Yeah, I mean, Julian Edelman probably got a big bench, but like whatever. Like, you know, did you, did you watch that time versus Tom versus time thing? He's talking about yet. Tom was making fun of him about still bench pressing and this and that. But I digress. That and the three cone drill with, with change of direction. Yeah, some of these ball drills, you got to see if guys can catch the ball and this mm-hmm. and that. But like your 40 yard dash and your bench press for everyone else. Like what, what are we really learning here about a player who I can, who I know so much more about because of the 40 hours of film that they put in front of me, you know? I mean, arguably, I the, the, like, how often? I know the forty-yard dash is great to see how fast you guys, but like, how often are they running forty yards straight away untouched? It's, I mean, you're usually behind everyone. Might help if you that's with, the with case, guys you're trying so. to pick in the late rounds for special teams. Uh, yeah, you know, deep threats, <laughs> deep threats for receivers. That's kind of a. That's what that maybe you might be onto something there. The weaving forty-yard dash, you have to like avoid as you're running the forty-yard dash. Yeah, have guy have uh, have coaches with you know the hand shields trying to trying to check you yeah. as you sprint. I like that. We should, yeah, we should I, get I, somebody I, on the phone. I think you learn more in in the, those first 10, 20 yards about a guy than you do throughout the 40-yard dash, you know, explosiveness, get off the ball, reaction. That, I mean, that's why when, things, when so. we did our testing day at Wesleyan, linemen, offensive, defensive linemen didn't even only have You guys only ran 20s, We right? ran 20s because he just yeah. really cared about tough how day. we are. Expo- hey, tough day for you those guys. were tough to run. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, Matt. Uh, well, yeah, we're still in buy or sell here, so let me hit you with one. What do you oh, say? Oh, yeah, good call. Um, Matt, buy or sell? Steve Kerr came out and said that undrafted NBA player, players that go to the NBA draft and, and remain undrafted should be able to go back to the NCAA to play in college. Buy or sell Steve Kerr's notion of uh, a little bit of um, fluidity when it comes to NCAA, NBA. Now, I, if I'm not totally mistaken here, don't they already have something like that? Like if you don't hire an agent, you can go into the draft and then back out before it's over or something? I'm like not that. sure what the threshold is. I don't used is. to. I'm not sure. I, I yeah. don't either. That I'm with, I know you can't hire an agent, but yeah. I, I think I would agree. Uh, I don't think you can have these kids hiring agents. Um, but if, if you want to declare for the draft without an agent, um, absolutely you should be able to go back if you don't get drafted. Yeah, but if you're declaring for the draft without an agent, good luck. Like why are these teams going to – unless you're the perennial overall number one, two, or three pick, you need an agent. Like you you need someone who's making your case for you with these teams on a day-to-day basis. If you really think that you're uh, an NBA first-round, early second-round draft pick, you have an agent. Uh, I mean, it, it's been, they've, it, but they've done it in the past. I mean, there have been players that, that that's how they've done it. They've declared for the draft and backed out without agent. I mean, maybe there's under the table yeah. deals like, hey, you're my agent, you know, call people on my behalf. But if, if there's a way to do it, I guess I'm totally fine with it. I like the idea of it. I think it's somewhat worked in the past. If you can figure out a way to have these kids have agents without really affecting recruiting, payments, yeah. all that type of stuff. Sure. I, I'd be all for it. I think what we need to do is what they need to do is what's ever best for these the athlete, the student athlete, whatever you want. Did to you? Well, I was gonna say, did you just almost go student athlete on this? Uh, I, I almost did. I changed my. <laughs> I, I stopped mid student and just stuck with athlete. They need to do what's best for the kid, and I think that's absolutely what's best for the kid. Instead of you know leaving college a year early yeah. and then ended up in a, a G League team somewhere without it, without you know an NBA guaranteed contract. Yeah, let him yeah. go back. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of stories that end poorly, and I don't and see the harm gotta, to it. I don't see what no. There's no there's no harm to it. 
there's no harm to it. And you're opening the door to a group of 19 to 22 year olds having a second chance, not only at um, the draft another year or, you know, their studies for the next however many years they go back to school for or a degree. You're just opening up a lot more doors rather than saying, oh, you made a decision. All your doors are closed. Yeah, that, is, that type of thing. Again, so. what we what they should be doing is looking out and trying to do what's best for those kids. and What's best for them, I think, is giving them as many options as they can have. I agree with you there. Hit right, me. My turn. Joe, you're yep. a you're a big pop culture guy, right? You're a big uh I like the popular yeah. culture. So uh, did you did you watch last night? Did you watch That's why they call Sunday? it popular? Did you watch the Um I was on and off. I got home, I was undoing the luggage. And, did did you um, see some of the movies? What were, did you see any of them? Did you see The Shape of Water? That's the one. That this might have been my least watched year of the Oscars in a so long how, time. So how many is that? You only saw like half? No, probably less than half. Oh, I didn't see wow. The Shape of Water. Um, I saw which I saw Lady Bird. People seem like upset a, that The Shape of Water won. You're not allowed to live in Sacramento without seeing Lady Bird. Um, that's a rule. I've never even heard of that movie. But I'm just it's buy or sell the Oscars, Joe. You big Oscars um, guy? You like, you like the event? You like the I like event. award shows. I like everything that goes around the award shows. I'm buying it like – I like the monologue, like Kimmel's monologue was good. Um, I like I like that it's often a time to whatever the political, socioeconomic chagrin of the time is, whether it be race relations or this year the Me Too movement or whatever it is, it's a time for that to not only be addressed, but I appreciate levity. Like if we can laugh about these things, we can move forward. And I'm not saying laugh about them in the in the sense that, you know, devaluing them but like jimmy kimmel somehow finds a way through his art to show us that there is humor laced within this serious thing that we all need to tend to that we all need to do better with it still promotes the message of changing and moving forward at the same time as working in some humor and and i always appreciate that sort of artistic ability for from these hosts and these comedians. So I'm buying for that. And you know me, I'm buying, I'm buying for the fashion. Yeah, I, that's I'm buying, I'm buying really for the, I'm buying watching, for the yeah. looks. Can I, can I I'm get your, the looks. can I get your best dressed for, for uh, men and women? One, one best, best dressed, dressed, worst dressed, best dressed for men right now. I'm between three. I could probably narrow it down to two for you. My top three were Donald Glover in the, 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 the red velvet suit? No, 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 no. That was army. That was army hammer. And I was offended by that. Like oh, you I need to wear, fantastic. you know, you need to wear the velvet jacket with wool pants. You can't go velvet velvet. You look like a couch. You look like a couch. You look awful. Being Matt, take my word for it. Yes, but not the best look. This is the Oscars. Let's show out here. So if you let me go, okay, my sorry. top three were Donald Glover. He was rocking like a little Gucci printed velvet. That uh, black tuxedo jacket was very nice looking. Um, at number two, see my one and two here, back and forth. At number two, I'm putting John Hamm. It was a classic look, and John Hamm wears a tux better than anyone. It had a little uh, had a little pattern to the tuxedo, nothing crazy. And then my number one was Mark Ronson, and I know he's the, I mean he's a music producer, but he was at the Oscars. He was at all. He's at all the parties. He produced um, Uptown Funk. He's oh. the guy in Uptown Funk with. Bruno Mars, yeah. He also produced Valerie with uh, Amy Winehouse, RIP. But I digress. He was wearing a – turquoise isn't the word for it. But look up Mark Ronson Oscars. Okay, he okay. had like a greenish-bluish single-button shawl-collar tux jacket on with black pants. Looked fantastic. Brought a little color to things. It was a great look. My best-dressed woman, 
Um, it was between Olivia Munn, because, you know, Love somewhat Olivia. obsessed, but dress, dress was gorgeous. Um, Olivia Munn, and who else struck me um, on the female front in terms of dress? They get crazy. Like, Nicole Kidman had, like, a bow coming out of her stomach that looked crazy. Like, I, I think more people, more females take crazy chances at the Oscars and kind of fall flat than males. You know, well, you've got o- a lot Olivia of Olivia Munn looks, looks very lovely. This picture. Yes. Yes. The arms on the dress. Very, very nice. Oh, yeah. It was a, it, it was like a, it wasn't a, it wasn't gowny, you know, it wasn't like overdone. I think it was a, it was on the casual side when you're talking about Oscars, but she looked great. Yeah. Um, and did you find the Mark Ronson picture? I did. That, was at the Mark? Nice, that was a nice look. Come on. Picture. That's that the nice look right there. That's that's a dinner jacket. That's not a I sport would coat. Still, that's whatever, a dinner still. jacket. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I, I I'm not a, I I'm not a big bow tie guy though. That's just me. gotta go bow tie. I'm not gotta a bow go bow tie. tie. With a tuxedo, you have to wear a bow tie. See, with me, I have a little bit, you know, of, of a gut, and I think the, uh-huh. the necktie. A little hides, cummerbund. Well, uh, I think the necktie hides hides that a little bit though. It, it takes a little bit of a eh. it takes a little tension away from it. Whereas you have the bow tie, there's kind of nowhere else to look other than right that that. Gut no, see, protruding. you want to you want to hide the gut a little bit. You want to like suck things in a little bit. You go with the cummerbund. You go old school look cummerbund uh, with the with the bow tie. We saw a couple of those looks out there on the on the red carpet this week. Okay, well, if, if we ever make it to the point where we're going to a big award show, Joe, I will let you just let me dress. I'll you. let you dress me. Pause. Let me dress you. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll have you. We'll have you looking good. We'll okay. have you looking good. I appreciate that. All right, Matt. Uh, my last buy or sell here for you. I, I, you've been in press rooms, and when you when you go to these games. The food's hit or miss. You know, there's always there's always a sandwich bar or something. And it, sometimes you get good stuff. Sometimes it's not so good. Scottsdale Stadium had a couple good dishes out there. But the one stalwart that you will find in every single media room is the party mix. It's like someone dumped. It's like Costco party mix. It's kind of like Gardetto's with some cheesy pieces, some other like weird like plasticky white pieces in it that you're not sure where they came from. But... You know the party mix I'm talking about. Buy or sell. This, some people might think this is super easy, but I want to debate this. Buy or sell. The rye chip is the best piece in a party mix. The brown Gardetto's rye chip. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to buy that because I think in the mm-hmm. party mix, while it is all mixed up together, I, I do think that is the best one. While it's not, I don't think mm-hmm. it runs away with it. I like in the Chex mix. I'm also a big fan of the Chex as well. Um, yes, I think those are fantastic. But like when you get I would never buy you know the bag of Gardetto's like only rye chips. Oh, that's overkill. That's overkill. Like, I'm, I, your, I, I've done that. That's once. a torn up tongue. That's I a did, torn up tongue. <laughs> I did that once, and it's just not the same. It doesn't taste nearly as good. It's just it's you need it to same. be as a part of the mixture. Exactly. I, I need I it as a that. part of the mixture on its own. Yeah. It, it is not nearly the same. I will. I will say yes, but it's not like it's not running away. I, I like pretty much everything in those things. I like the pretzels. I like the little checks. I, I like them all. But I will say that's probably my favorite part of, of the party mix. I'm uh, I'm selling on it. It's okay. it's not my favorite part. And I came to this realization this week. Oh, the it's not rye. It's more of a bread, but it's the same shape as the rye chip. It's cheesy white counterpart. Ooh, you know the I like. Know exactly which there's like it's a Those little. It's not. It's not as crunchy. It's a little bit more. Uh, it still has crunch, but it's a little airier mm-hmm. than than the than the rye chip. I'm saying that's that's taken that's taken over for me in the in the party mix. Well, that's uh, that's that's good. To Big know. development. Yeah, Big development. Well, you know, we we've had some some of our best conversations on here have been about snacks and, and you know food mm-hmm. layout. So I, 
mm-hmm. I think this is actually very relevant to the to the conversation because now I know now now I know a little bit more about you. I know a little bit more about your food preferences. I'm uh, I'm I'm a bit um, I'm a bit downtrodden right now that uh, I'm going to be working on Masters Sunday. We have a show coming straight out of the Masters. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a fun show. But uh, Masters Sunday is usually my like my crazy spread. Like Super Bowl Sunday, Masters Sunday. Uh, the Masters is all about the snacks for me too. Mm. Like you got to just like clear the table off and then cover it in food, like different you know, food that'll, that'll keep throughout the day. You know, that you can just it's pick not all the time with you, but for, you know, a, a skinny guy for, you know, wide receiver, a little guy, you, we get you after sometimes, it. Sometimes you sometimes have a, have a fat guy kind of mindset. And I like that about it's you. It's not you're, only a fat guy. It, it's a fat it, guy mindset, but I also I, like, I'm, I'm saying I like that about you, Joe. This is, I love I the preparation of it. This. The food is good. The, the enjoyment of the food is good, but I think that the preparation of it, the cooking of it, is what I what I take to as well. Like I like creating. Oh, see, I, something. I, like, I like eating. You like so. the you like the consumption portion. So maybe portion that, maybe like, maybe one time I'll I'll come out there for like a. You come on over, masters. yeah. I'll just sit on the couch while you make everything, and then I'll eat. And it. and we'll both be happy people here. So. In our in our matching uh, whatever it is I buy you for Masters um, Sunday jumpsuits could be. That would be awesome. I would love it. <laughs> For all green, just Kelly green jumpsuits. Ooh, that would be fantastic. Or jumpsuits, like comfy pajama jumpsuits that kind of look like a master's caddy outfit, like a one piece that looks like a master's a caddy outfit. A master's caddy oh, onesie. A master's caddy onesie. With I think a, that needs to happen. And patent I'm, pending. Patent I, pending. You did patent call pending. it. You called it. <laughs> Anyone who listens to this podcast and steals that idea, you are legally – Steal yep, it from us. You're, you're bound. Um, and then we can get on the back on our on our name tags. We you could have moose and I could have runes. I like that. There we I go. Think I think we're on to something here, yeah. Matt. We should. Yeah, th- those oh. will be our podcasting outfits from now on. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, Matt. Before I shut us down, you got anything else for the people? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I'm a Game <clears throat> of Thrones guy now. I told you before the podcast. And, yeah, which I thought we were. I thought we were the, the. We were the only. We were one of the only anti Game of Thrones podcasts. We were never anti. And I, we were just no. Not, we weren't we anti. We were just, we just watch. Yeah, we didn't talk about it. See, we talked my, about it in like in jest because neither of us had really thing. watched it consistently. Here's my thing. I wanted to do it because I wanted to solidify our spot as the captains of Team White Walker. Team White Walker. Okay. And I, I think somebody needed to do the in depth research and make sure we were on the same page here. So I wasn't just picking choosing episodes to watch. I've now kind of scanned throughout the series, and I can yeah. confirm that we are on the right path. We're on the right path. We're on the right. See, path. I think I've seen all of the White Walker episodes. Like those are the ones I've seen. There's more than you've seen, though. And, and, and I, I would, I would bet. Seeing how long you can hold it. <laughs> All right. Well, Matt's watching Game of Thrones, and we're we're happy for him, and we're still Team White Walker here on the Moose and Moons podcast. Matthew, we'll get that White Walker music. shirt out to you soon. With <laughs> yeah, it's coming soon. Come <laughs> with the Trubisky soon jersey come. on. Yeah, that'll be yeah, a yeah. football season it, twenty eighteen. It's in it's in beta right now. So. Yeah, we got it to our t shirt guy. <laughs> Matt, why don't you give me the music? Shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. All right, today I'm going to shut it down, you know, on a positive note. I want to send you guys off with, with some good feelings. And I know everyone probably saw it. It was all over social media, all over TV. But uh, Shaq Griffin from UCF having a fantastic showing at the NFL Combine. And when I say, you know, you can't really see much from guys at the NFL Combine, I think we saw a great deal from uh, Shaq Griffin uh, just 
unbelievable resilience and refusal to take no for an answer. Um, the guy's got one hand. He's got one arm and he's catching passes out there. He's running sub 4 440s as a linebacker. Now, where does he fit at the next level? That is yet to be seen. But all I know is that this kid competes. He comes out there and he's not letting a, uh, a disability, a disadvantage get in the way of his dream, of his greatness. And I think we can all take a great deal from that message right there, whether he's playing outside linebacker for the Patriots or if he's playing strong safety for the Titans or if he's playing Canadian football or wherever he lands, I think we can all learn a great deal from uh, from Shaq Griffin. So I thought that was uh, my biggest takeaway from the weekend and, and something that uh, deserved to be spotlighted here for a moment at the end of the Moose and Runes podcast. That's going to do it for episode 46 of the Moose and Runes podcast. As always, thank you for listening. Good out there. Hit us up on Twitter. We're going to have some mailbag episodes coming up here down the stretch. And uh, as always, subscribe, hit the like button, everything you can do to support us here at the Moose and Runes podcast because we love you. And uh, thank you for always tuning in. Matthew, send them on the way. We are uh, we are on now. I want to remind everybody Google Play as well. So if you if you, don't have, if you don't have iTunes now, there, there is a, a different way other than SoundCloud. You can go to Google yeah. Play as well. SoundCloud, if you live iTunes, under a Google rock, um, yeah, you can still get it. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> hey, we'll talk to you later, matter. Bye. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the stick was phenomenal.